I tell you all the time how much I like on demand. Let me tell you why. Because I like getting my food when I like it. I just am like that. I like to go to the menu and say, I want this and not that. So this is one of those moments when you've chosen to be with us and we're honored to have you with us. So open up the word of God. Join me today as I take you on a journey that will change your life and lift your spirit and give you vision for your future. God's best will come your way. Enjoy today's message. Repeat the topic with me, please. Say dreaming an impossible dream in this season of your life. It is my conviction that some things are possible for people and some things are impossible for people. And it's hard to admit that what I'm thinking about for myself, what I envision for myself will never happen. And for someone, and I mentioned a few weeks ago, and you know, that, and I, I know you enjoyed um, Bev last week, wasn't she just amazing? Minister Beverly Davis was amazing last week. But I was, I was touched by uh, the thought that some people are not mature dreamers. They, they, and they, there's no one to say to them, that's never going to happen. You're never going to have a happy marriage. It's impossible with the way you think and process. The way you engage love, the way you engage people when you're angry, who would promote you on the job? Why would anybody want to have you around all the time? Because you may explode and you feel, you feel justified in it. You feel like it's okay. So there are certain things that are impossible for you. And um, the only thing that can change that is to have a new dream, to, to look at life differently. And so what, what I want to do today is I want to take you on a journey. And I want to talk about what will make your dream impossible. Repeat that with me, please. Come on, say, what will make my dream impossible? Not possible, impossible. Think about that for a second. Now, let me take you on a little quick journey back in my life. I, when I went to college, I, I majored in theology. Um, that was my, my uh, area of study. Uh, my undergrad was in theology. My master's was in strategic leadership. I'm in a doctoral program now, and I'm studying. Um, um, it's a, do- a doctor of divinity, but its um, focus is burnout. And my question is, why do guys like me burn out? That's how I won't burn out. See, I study about me, right? <laughs> Try to figure it out for what happens. <laughs> But back in the day when I was in college and undergrad and we were studying theology, I had classes like New Testament theology, Old Testament theology. You know, we studied the Bible. I was my major in Bible. And so Romans, Ephesians, New, that's a, this, is my, this is my hood, if you can call it that. Okay? And so back, back in the day when I was in college, uh, we didn't have you know, we had a typewriter or two, you know, Pekka and I was a Pekka, a Pika and Elite. Remember that? Something like that. Anyway, don't ask me. Okay. Um, different types of typewriters, if you don't know, just don't worry about it. And in the library, you hear this sound. That was the sound you'd hear back and forth. And it was a little thing the students would have, you know, among ourselves where they said, you must be turning the pages. And you hear them, you know, double turning sometimes. That's working it. And that became a sound. It became this Precious sound. Uh, this is a new Bible by Tony Evans, too, which I really love. This is new study Bible. I just enjoyed it. So let me give you my precious gift. I don't want to just throw it around. I'm a big Bible person. I have lots of them. Uh, but now, because of technology, it's just so much easier to search things. And so for that reason, I use these tools. But I want to, um, I want to focus our attention on Hebrews chapter 6. 
Uh, and it's not going to take me long to go through this because I want to I simply show you a scripture that helps explain why some people will never get to their dreams. Why it's just literally impossible. And, and I hate to tell you this, but it's, what I'm about to say is just true. And, and maybe you'll reconsider. Because here's, here's the big reason why it, your dream will be impossible. It's because of resistance. I was going to use the word rebellion, but it felt a little bit harsh, so I'll use that word next week. But uh, I want to start off with the word resistance. Can you say that word with me, please? Come on. Has your resistance to change, this is a big question for today, has your resistance to change made your dreams impossible in this season of your life? Has your resistance to change made your dream impossible? You just won't study, so you won't graduate. This is it. You, won't, you will not do homework. You will not apply yourself early. You will not save money, so you will never have money. You will always need money. You won't go to work. You are always late or you're always, you know, giving some reason why. So you, that will never change in your life. And you resist anybody who asks you about that. You get mad with a boss who fusses and says, you're late. Yeah, I know. My tire went flat. Okay. I mean, I mean you, you, you're, you're very resistant. And, and it's, it's, it's the thing that stops you. So you have a vision for your life, but... Your plan, your goal, and your standard that you set for yourself is impossible. You're not going to be a millionaire by the time you're 35. That's not going to happen. Or 55 or 65. You can live to 105 with this attitude. You'll never get there. And once you accept that, once you say, man, yeah. okay, that's, that's, that's true. I tell myself this. I, I, you Ricky Temple, forget it. If you want the church to go forward... You're going to have to teach them to plan for the future, which is coming down the road next month. If I really want us to have a future, there are certain things that have to be a part of the conversation. And if you can't have the conversation, listen carefully, if you can't have the conversation, you can't have the reward. You must be able to have certain conversations if you're serious, or it's just conversations, just talk. And I, I just think sometimes we, like, we Christians in particular like to talk, get together, hypothesize, you know, I say this lovely to the people in the community who ask me to be a part of stuff. I say, yeah, okay, let's, no, no more meetings. Give me a thing to do. Give me a things to do list, please. I don't, no, I don't want to meet and talk. I want, well, what do you want me to do? What do you want to do? We want to do something? Let's talk about something we can do. Not just talk about a problem. There's something that can change in your life forever if you can decide to do something. And so, let me, if I can't take you on this journey. Hebrews chapter 6, and you'll see what I mean. Now, what I'm going to read to you is a text that I thought for a long time basically talked about backsliding. Can you say that word, please? Come on. Backsliding, if you're not much of a church person, means that you were serving God, but then you slid back. You're backing up from your commitment to God. And so whenever a person was not in church a lot or they stopped you know, serving God faithfully by our definition, we would say you're backsliding, right? And so, and it's not an unbiblical concept. I, I believe that people can, just for the record, can decide to not serve God. Look at Lucifer. I mean, look at Adam and Eve. I mean, people can choose to go left and not right. Look at Judas. And people can make a decision. And there's plenty of examples in the Bible, but this is, I don't believe, one of them. I used this text, and I was taught this text incorrectly, I think. And it made me focus on the smaller message and not the bigger message. 
The bigger message in Hebrews chapter 6, the first few verses, is about maturity. It's about a person deciding, I don't want to grow up. They've been given every opportunity to grow up, but they've made a decision, I will not grow up. And once you make that decision, it's impossible to change your life direction. And this is personal. This has got nothing to do with anybody else. It's just you. I don't say those things. I don't do these things. I don't act that way because I want a better result. It's about me. I want to walk in my house and it looks clean. That's just me. This is whatever I, I decide. I don't want the clothes on the floor. I don't, want, I don't want this result. And so if I don't want the result, I go to, the, to, the, to this washing machine and I wash every day so I don't have piles of clothes everywhere. That's just my, you, it's not my, you, you decide. Piles of clothes, no piles of clothes. It's up to you. You just go every day and if you pray and wash. How about an amen? amen. Wash and pray, right? This, that's how you fix it. Instead of sitting there grieving every week or, well, look at the clothes. There are demons in them. Yeah, I know because you don't wash them. <laughs> so you decide, you know, pack a lunch instead of eating junk. How about that? That almost rhymes, right? Pack a lunch and don't eat junk. I mean, at some point you say, buy a lunchbox. This is ridiculous. I'm killing myself. Killing me softly with each snack. Killing me softly with burgers. Killing me softly. Okay. okay. Anyway, so you just... I'm not against burgers. I'm not, you know, it's okay. Moderations. I get it, you know, once in a while. But at some point, you have to say, this is out of control. And I need to pause this train and say, this is out of control. Let's practice it. This is out of control. Whatever it is, you know, you need to say, this is out of control. I'm out of control. I'm not responding. And I am resistant. God's trying to reach me, but I am rebelling. I am pushing back. I am saying no, not in words, but in action. So I always tell people, listen to their actions. <laughs> listen to their actions. You go out on a first date, you want to date somebody, listen to their actions, not their words. Something about actions that speak louder than words. And when you get that in your mind, it changes everything. Sometimes the person doesn't have the right words, but God, they got some great actions. They stumble in communicating and trying to get it right. Man, my wife used to tell me that. She said, just judge me by my heart, my heart. Just judge me by my heart. I'm trying, Rick. Just by my heart. Something about that. As a pastor, I'm doing, my, I'm doing my best. I'm trying my heart. My, I, am, I am so committed to you and so committed to our future. But I understand there's something profound that we must understand. Some things will never happen unless we honestly confront them. Here we go, Hebrews 6. Watch this. You ready? Now, you're going to get two versions, okay? It's one thing I like about having <laughs> this kind of technology because I'm going to show you what's called the New Living Translation, which is a more modern translation. And then I'm going to go to the New King James, which kind of is poetic, okay? So I love both. So I'm, I'm going to read one, and then you'll see. First, first uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on. See, there's maturity here. Let us go on instead and become what? Mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgments. And so, God willing, we will move where? Forward to further understanding. This is all about maturity. Can you say that? Say amen if you do. Amen. 
it's all about growing up. He's saying you can't stay in elementary school. We, we can't keep talking about the same stuff over and over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. He said at some point you grow past what happened, the basic teachings about Christ. Let's go on. Let's just move forward. I love this. It's, it's, it's a call to grow up. Then he goes on in chapter 6, verse 4. Now to the New King James Version. Here's what he says. For it's impossible. For it's impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit. Watch this again. It's impossible. It's impossible to do what? To bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened. Once I enlighten them and they're resistant to that, it's impossible to enlighten them more. I already told them. Those who have experienced the good things of heaven, shared in the Holy Spirit, who've tasted, verse 5, the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away after all of that from God, it's impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Now, of course, you get why in the second part of this verse, the idea of backsliding would come up because it's to renew them again to repentance, seeing that they reject the Son of God. So you say, well, okay, that makes sense. If you, if, this is how people interpret it. If you stop going to church, if you backslide, you'll never come back. If you stop serving Jesus, if you have a lapse in your spiritual life, a moral life, to somehow you're now unredeemable. Oh, man. And it just comes through in sermons. You know, it goes kind of like this. Some of you in here ain't living right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not obeying God. Well, one day you're going to wake up and your eyes will be in hell. I mean, it's just... I understand. And I, I used to preach. I used to sing preach. But I, used to, I used to preach the walls that I did. I, was, I used to sweat out my clothes and say, what happened? I don't know, man. I got confused. I, kept, I lost where I was after a while. You know, when you sing preach for a while, you do good for a while, but after a while, you start, you go, you, when you get lost, you go, well, 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 well. I, mean, sorry. I need to just talk, praise God. I need to talk. I, okay. I'm sorry if that disappoints you, but it is culturally wonderful. Um, normally, uh, I'm getting off. Lord, help me, God. Uh, can I stay in my sermon? Let me, let me not try to explain. Anyway, so here we go. So so, <laughs> somebody said, no, please explain. No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful cultural expression. I enjoy it, and maybe to come back, we'll see. But here we go. So I, I believe there's, a, there's this incredible moment in your life where I, 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 you realize that things I say to people, people take to heart. So what I was saying, if I'm not careful, is if you have a lapse in your life, God can't redeem you. That you have to always be 100. 99 and a half won't do. Remember the song? 99, 99, right? 99 and a half won't do. You know, so, I, you, know, so you got to be a hundred. And I, and I understand that, but that's why Jesus died. He was the hundred. I'm the 70, praise God. I'm the, I'm the 50. I don't make a hundred all the time. That's why he died on the cross. But somehow in our teaching, we implied to people, that if you ever have a lapse, if you ever, you can't be redeemed. And that, that is tragic doctrine. And that's not the message. No, this is more about five things. About five things. It's about five things that God, God, five things that made God's dream for you possible. 
He's trying to say, let me show you what I gave you. Number one, I enlightened you. I told you, I showed you. You've done this with your kids, right? Come here, let me tell you what you got to do. You got to go to work. That's enlightenment, right? Or no job. Ah, no money and you can't stay with me. That's enlightenment, right? Enlightenment means just information. He, he showed you the way. Then secondly, he says, I gave you experience. You experienced the good things of heaven. I, I, you, 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 you already, already touched you. Thirdly, he said, I've touched you by the Holy Spirit. You felt his presence. You, you've tasted God's word and power. You've tasted the power of the age to come. I have given you a lot. So here is the question. How much more do you need? Haven't you ever thought, didn't we have this conversation? You ever had this with somebody? Did, did we not kind of talk about this? We, okay, back up the train. Um, <laughs> how, how many more experiences do you need? That's what, that's what this is about. How much more of his goodness do you need to taste? When will you ever let God's values, here's a big word, soak into your life? Or am I going to keep repeating myself over and over and over again? This is a cry against people who, who, won't, who won't grow up. This is more about getting somebody to say, come on. Do you need another sermon? You need another Bible verse? You need another church service? You need another what? How many have you heard already? At what point is that enough in your marriage? At what point? How many more arguments, cuss outs? How many more do you need? At what point? How many apartments have you been, you know, struggled, struggling with? How many houses? How many, how many cars have been taken back? I mean, when you're known at the repo place, you need the apartment. They know me by name. They know me. <laughs> they know me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At some point, you should be alarmed. That you're that well known. And so you, you have to pause and ask yourself, is change possible for me with this mindset? No. And that's what he says. How can I renew you again to repentance? How can I get you back? You want Jesus to go down the cross again? Is that what it takes? So this is, this is, by the way, this is not about a feel-bad sermon. This is about a real moment. This, this is about not blaming my daddy and my mother, because, you know, we do that thing. We go off on that, you know, well, my daddy was crazy, so that's why I'm crazy. Okay. How old are you? Your daddy dead now? I mean, right? Your mama's dead. I'm, not, I'm just saying, at what point is it your job? At what point is this about you maturing and nobody else? At what point is this Ricky's issue? Overcoming my faith issue. At what point is it us? Christians have a tendency to not grow. It is one of the biggest struggles. There's a book called Simple Church, and we, we our leaders read it years ago. And one of the things it says is churches tend to not progress. There's no movement. They're, they're not clear. The book talks about clarity first. You've got to have clarity. You know, this is what I need to do. And then you need to move. Once you're clear, you just movement. You, ha you have to come to a place where you say, I'm, I'm clear. What are you not clear about? And why not? And so, okay, so God assigns an angel, and his job is to walk in the circle with you like they did in the wilderness. Just walk around and go over and over again. So I, and I read this. I thought, man, okay, I get it. What you're trying to do is let something soak into me, a truth. 
And here's what this text says. I love this. This is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7. He says, you know, when, when the ground soaks up the falling rain, right, and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. Okay, so the rain falls on the crop, right, and the crop soaks it up, and the crop grows well. Wow, that's, that's the purpose of watering it, right? Verse 8, but if a field bears thorns, after you water it, right? After you water it, you, it bears thorns and thistles. It is useless. It is useless. Would that be true? All the things you've been told? All the advice you've been given? It's useless. It doesn't change your, your opinion. Here's what he says. The farmer will soon condemn the field, that field, and burn it up. Eventually, that business will close. They got good consultants. People came in and told them. People advised them, and they still yelled at the customers. So eventually, it all burns up. Eventually, it's all gone. Eventually, there's no more opportunity. Eventually, you're standing in front of the judge. Eventually, you're standing in front of the judge. And the judge says, oh, who are you? oh God, is it him again? Is it, is, it, oh. is, it, is it him again? How many times, how many times have I asked you to not come back to my courtroom? What did you do this time? Oh, you robbed somebody at 90 years old. Really? 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 Oh, you knocked her down. Okay. Okay. Really? Judge, I'm sorry. Really? Now watch this. Here's what's powerful. When you get to talk to judges, when you get to talk to people who are prosecutors, when you get to talk to them, they're people. They really are people. There's a piece I want to do called Pain from the Bench, and I've been working on it. It's, it's, it's what it feels like to be the person on the bench who has to sentence people for repeated behaviors. And what's really powerful to me in some of my conversations with some of the judges over the years, and, and recently I'm working on this, I'm really excited about this project, because I really, I, I find it fascinating. One, one said to me, you know, I was, um, I looked in, saw who it was, and I, I was, it was, it was the sentencing moment, and I had to call a recess. The judge said I had to call a recess. And I had to step in the hallway. And the judge just, just you know, the judge became very emotional. And, and, um, and I've, I've seen this with Superior Court judges. I've seen this with, with I mean, juvenile judges. I've seen, and, and, they, and this judge said, you know, I, 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 um, I came back in and I did my job. But I hurt. I hurt to see my people. I hurt to see other people. I hurt to see this young man. And I mean, this is across all ethnic boundaries. I've seen white judges, black judges, a female. I've seen all of them. It doesn't matter. They're people. And, and sometimes there's this, there's this disconnect because here's what they conclude. It's impossible to change you. It's impossible. I've tried. And there comes this painful moment when the water falls, but it's not soaking. It's not changing you. How much more money does mom have to give you? How many more times do we have to bail you out? How many more times do we have to talk? Is this impossible? Doesn't have to be. There's uh, another part to this you can read on your own. It's the, the whole of the series I've talked about. I'm not going to talk about this anymore. I'm done. I want to pause. You can read on your own. That's why I give you notes. <laughs> not really, I, I really never meant to talk about it. I just want, I want, the only thing I want to talk about is the first part. Because I want you to think about this for a minute. There is a place 
in my soul. Where I come to God without anybody else and I say to him, I get it. I know what I want for me. Can you say that with me? Please say, I know what I want for me. Say it again. Come on, say, I know what I want for me. Let me pray for you. Father, today, I know what I want for me. I know what I want for this church. But I don't have the power to change anybody. I don't have the power to make anybody get anything. Rebellion is a stopper. It is a hinderer. It is the thing that you call us to surrender. You ask us to bring our lives to you and say, you be my Lord, not my will, but your will be done. It's you, Lord, calling me. And so in Jesus' name, I invite you, Lord. I invite you into my life today. For some people, it's the first time you've ever really prayed this prayer sincerely. Lord, I need you to be the Lord of my life. I don't know how to be perfect. I don't know all the answers, but I want you to help me. And I repent. I'm sorry. And that's what, what repent means. I changed my mind. I, I realized I was wrong. And I invite you into my life. And I give you all the praise. And I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Hand me my Bible. I want to show you something. You know, there's a moment in your life where the Lord will give you a chance and then when it becomes apparent that you're not changing he turns the page you've seen people like that haven't you it's like they're just wandering souls it's not that he he won't come back but they won't ever come back so he just turns the page leadership is about that you have to learn how to do that if you're a leader you can be a good leader you do your best but every now and then you gotta turn the page some of you have got friends in your life and if your life's going to ever be better you're going to have to do what new playmates new playgrounds new playthings you will never look at the preacher how many women are in jail today because of a man how many of them I'm not going to throw shade on anybody because I, I can tell stories, you know, let me be quiet, but let me tell you. Some of you men, I'm not saying, I, I, take it take it like you take it. For some of you, you need to turn the page. You need to stop. Today. Today. When did I say? Today. Today. Your friends all making you feel like that. <laughs> they pay you. They write you any checks. No, yeah, you ain't wrote you no checks. They ain't got no money. Uh-huh. There you go, girl. Turn the page on all them people. <laughs> all them bullies and ain't got what? Who care about you? Let you intimidate me. I refuse to be intimidated. You don't pay me. You ain't got no beauty check. 
Come on, someone say amen. They got a beauty check. What in the world? Call me ugly. Call me ugly. I dare you. Talk about my, my lips. I'll talk about your big feet. Mess with me. I ain't letting you bug me. Oh, no, nigga. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's terrible. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's impossible for God to even elevate you if you're that sensitive. How are you going to prosper you? You're freaking out over $50,000 or $20,000. Well, you can't have a million. I mean, I mean, I want you to hear me. There, there are moments in your life when you have to say to yourself, I will not allow myself one more day. I will never allow myself to compare myself and, and, and measure myself against people who are better than me. I'll learn from them. I'll learn from them. And then I'll be Ricky because that's the only one I can be. Come on, say amen. That's all I can be with me. All right. Let's all stand. We're going home. Sometimes in life, you hear a message that can help you. I hope what you've heard today has helped you. I want to pray for you today that this can be the beginning of a new way for you. Father, I pray for those who've heard this message. May it give them life and strength and courage. And I pray that they would find help and healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us. We're glad you're with us. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.